You are about to listen to Emeka Ezra, the lead steward at Fortier Network International. He envisions all men saved and mature, Christ Jesus. Be there as you listen. So, you know, something that has been bothering me is the fact that I get to meet a lot of you in person over the phone. You know, we are talking and you make, you will make some statements and I'm like, hmm, this person doesn't know who he is. Or this person doesn't know this. This person doesn't know that. And you see, as much as, or as good as, or as important as a healing meeting is, right? A miracle service is. As much as, or as important as a prayer meeting is. Can you hear me? Can, are you with me? Please don't be distracted. As good as a prayer meeting is, as good as a miracle service is, it's not as important as, it's not as important as the word. You see, God does not want to, God, God's priority or God does not just want to. Let me not say God does not want to. God does not just want to give you a car. As important as, as it is, you know, in Abuja, with the sun, it's important, right? But God doesn't just want to give you a car. In fact, that's not even his priority. God does not just want to give you a house. God doesn't want to make you rich, in a sense. Like, that's not his priority, right? I'm not saying, see, poverty is not spiritual, right? But God, God's priority is not riches. Hi, Michael, how are you doing? God's Parity is not riches given to the believer, but is the word. That's God's parity to the believer. But then, because you, you, you need to understand, a believer that lacks sufficient knowledge of the word, right? A believer that lacks sufficient knowledge of the word, right, will live a super life. Are you listening to me? A believer that lacks sufficient knowledge of the word will live a super life, like very mid life. You know, last year, Last year, I was, or we were in Bonn, yeah. And I casted out a demon from someone. I mean, only the person knew that the demon was casted out from them. I and the person knew that the demon was casted out from the person. I mean, the person does not have to manifest and roll on the ground and say, ah, I've been sent by, by Odudua, you know, to you, something like that. So the person knew that a demon was casted out from the person or from her. And somehow she found my number because I didn't give her my number. And during the week, she, she, she called me and she texted me and she said, sir, I want to ask you a question. She said, I know that a demon was casted out from me. But and she, she, the question she asked me was, but I speak in tongues. You see, you casted out a demon from me or you casted out a demon that was oppressing me. And she said, but I speak in tongues. Then I asked her some questions. I began to probe. How did she know that it was a demon? And she said she knew because um, the month before or the week before, she was hearing voices. Then I opened up. Right? I opened up. And I opened up and I, and I said, oh yes, actually, you are, you are um, oppressed by a demon. You are not possessed by a demon. You are actually oppressed by a demon. And the reason why you are oppressed or a demon was able to oppress you is because you did not know who you were, right? There was a knowledge gap that you did not know what you have. Even though you speak in tongues, if you do not know what you have, then there is a problem. Are you listening to me? You see, what the devil has done is the devil has successfully lied to a lot of people. I've said this before. The devil lies with structures. The devil lies with structures. I'm going to explain what I mean. Who has ever put on a VAR, virtual reality, um, headsets you have, you have, right? Did you shout? Did you like scream or like, were you unaware of your immediate, the real environment? It became real to you, right? What you put on became real. You are shouting. I saw a video of you shouting. Was that you? <laughs> who, who else have you ever put on? You have, you have. I have not. But I've seen a lot of people put it on. And I want to use that to explain something. You need to understand. The devil uses structures to lie. What do I mean? You see, when people put on the virtual reality set, on that reality, like it's as if they, they step into that rea reality, especially if, especially if, um, probably the reality is well designed, right? Maybe it's a 
unfortunately, probably is a, is a zombie game. And you can see you can see blood dripping from the person's this thing. I can see your hands. You're running, and somehow there's a, there's songs or there's, there's a menacing song in the background playing, and you start shouting. That reality just becomes real to you. You see, it's the same thing. It's the same thing on earth. It's the same thing on earth that a lot of believers have been exposed to a reality that is not their own, and they have believed it. So if I tell you now today that you can heal the sick, right? I tell you now that your reality is that you can heal the sick. Not only that, can you heal the sick? Um, you can raise the dead. But you go out, out there and immediately you see someone that a, a car hits and the person is dead. Or on the news, you now start to see that believers and Christians have been murdered in just. It becomes so much that a new reality is being painted to you than the one that you have seen from scripture. Structures are put in place in movies, in songs, to tell you that you are something that you are not. I'm going to, I'm, I'm, this is the introduction. But you need to understand that there are, different, there are different realities. A lie and the truth. Let's open to John. Let's open to John chapter 16. Mm? Is that it? John chapter 14 verse 6. John chapter 14 verse 6. Let's open John chapter 14 verse 6. Does somebody want to read? I, I, need, a, I need a second mic. Is there a second mic? Praise God. Hallelujah. I'm not even here myself. Is there a second mic? John chapter 14, verse 6. You want to read? Okay. Let's hear you. Um, Jesus told him, verse 6, right? Yes, verse 6. Jesus told him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Mm -hmm. No one can come to the Father except through me. Look at that. Now, another translation puts it this way. Jesus says, I am the way, the reality, and the life. Are you listening to me? Oh my God. This is going to be a long session. <laughs> Praise God. Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Another version puts it this way. I am the way, the reality. And I'm going to explain why. You need to understand. Okay. You need to understand. Praise God. What's going on? Praise God. You need to understand that we, different species or different creatures, right, thrive by realities or they live in their realities, right? An ant has its own reality. A lion has its own reality. And also the man in Christ has his own reality, right? The man in Christ has his own reality. I'm trying to explain something to you. I just said the man in Christ, Jesus is talking about him being the, the, um, the way, the truth, and the life. Meaning he's saying that I am the reality, I'm the truth, and I'm the way. There's a particular reality Jesus introduced. A new reality that was different from the old reality. The theme for this meeting is new creation realities. That's going to be the topic. New creation realities. New creation realities. Now, when we say new creation realities, this is going to look like a class. It's because it's a class, actually. I expect it to ask questions. When we say new creation reality, or when we say there is a new creation reality, what are we trying to say? We are trying to say there, is an, there, there, there was an old creation, or there is an old creation, and there is a new creation. Right? On that question that might arise from this is, what was the reality of the old creation? And why was there even need for a, a new creation? And what then, the main reason for this meeting, what then is the reality of the new creation? Are you, are, you, are you getting these questions now? The theme is new creation realities. When that question arises, that means an old creation existed. What then was the reality of the old creation? If we can tell the reality of the old creation and we can know the old creation, why then was there a need for a new creation? And then what is the reality of the new creation? Are you listening to me? Are you with me? See, what today's meeting is going to do for you is that for a lot of you, you're going to walk in power effortlessly. And this is true because I don't need to lay hands on you. By teaching, grace is going to be impacted. 
oh my God. Because you need, you need to understand, it's by knowledge we, we transact in this kingdom. An ignorant man will be stolen from again and again. If you don't know who you are, and if you don't know your reality, you will keep, you will lie to always. Something happened to me, before we go into, something happened to me some months back. I had a discussion with a friend that was talking about demonic feedback. Right? This friend talked about demonic feedback and how, um, and how he casted out a demon and the demon appeared. You know, just saying many things. And I was like, in the conversation, I didn't say anything. I just said, I've not, because the truth is, I don't believe in demonic feedback. Like, how dare a demon come into my room after I've casted you out? Who are you? But then some people say they've experienced it. I don't, I don't care about your experience. Like, I, I, I know you probably must have experienced it, but it cannot happen to me. But I didn't say anything. But I, then, but I, but I, didn't, I didn't know that that affected my heart. I was sleeping. And I'm not saying I saw a demon, but I just felt a very weird presence around me that brought fear into my heart. And I stood up, you know, went to the bathroom, eased myself, come, I came out, and I was still feeling like that. And immediately I wanted to pray because of fear. Fear wanted to motivate my prayer. And I wanted to pray. And as I wanted to pray, I heard the Spirit of God said, but we are married. And immediately I slept. And I said, they have not born any demon to be my room. You know the meaning of that? He says, we are one. For the Spirit of God said, but we are married. We are one. Oh my God, that's, that's, that is revelation right there. I'm going to explain. Right? Let's go. Let's open Genesis. Let's start. Let's open Genesis chapter 3. From verse 4 to 11. Oh my, you're going to open a lot of scriptures. I hope you're with your phone at least. You know, I want us to ask questions. And I, because thank you, Jesus, we are a little... Um, I can manage your questions today. Not like the last part. That's who, who are a lot of people. Uh -huh. So, Genesis chapter 3 from verses 4 to 11. Genesis chapter 3 from verse 4 to 11. I, I need fast readers, please. Um, you can, we are going to be using NKJV a lot. So NKJV would be, no, you can use your phone or use your Disney. But NKJV will be, um, someone with the mic to give her the mic. Genesis 3, 4 to 11. Mm -hmm. Then the serpent said to the woman, you will not surely die. For God knows that in the day you eat of, eat of it, your eyes will be opened mm -hmm. and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. So when the woman saw the, the tree was good for food, that it was pleasant to the eyes and a tree desirable to make one wise, she took its fruit and ate. She also gave to her husband with her and he ate. Mm. Then the eyes of both of them were opened and they knew they were naked. And they sewed thick leaves together and made themselves covering. And they heard the sound of the Lord walking in the garden in the cool of the day. Oh and Adam and, and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. Then the Lord God called to Adam and said to him, Where are you? So he said, I heard your voice in the garden and I was afraid because I was naked and I hid myself. And he said, Who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten from the tree of which I commanded you that you should not eat? Mm. Praise God. Now, this is a very wonderful story. But you see, when you look at this story, what you see is a discussion about trees. When I read this story, what I saw was reality. Someone's reality had been warped. Now, you need to understand, in the Garden of Eden, there were two realities. Mind you, I'm using, I'm swapping out the, the trees for realities. I'm not going to call them trees, I'm going to call them reality. Now, there were two realities in the Garden. One reality, God said, if you eat of this reality, if you partake of this reality, you will die. Now, we got to um, know that there was another reality or there was another tree at the end of the story. But first, there was a reality or there was a tree that God had commanded them not to partake of. Let me explain to you Adam's reality first before he partook of it. Adam had a reality where he talked to God as man talks to his friend. We just read in chapter 3. Oh, oh my God, I'm so sorry for everybody that's feeling sleepy already. Are you? Are you? Are you? No. Okay. Now, Adam had a reality with God where at the end of every single day, he could hear God's footsteps. You don't understand? 
it was normal to a man to talk to God like a friend. Meaning he experienced the Shekinah of God. Like the very presence of God, Adam experienced. But there was an issue. God said, do not partake of this tree. Now, what did the tree introduce into the life of Adam? What did the tree introduce into the life of Adam? The tree um, introduced a reality where Adam was the one defining things for himself. Let's, let's go. I'm, I'm, I'm going to let me, let's, let's read. Um, Genesis chapter, where, where are we? Genesis chapter 3 from verses 9. Let's start from 9. Let's start from 9. It says, then the Lord God called Adam and said to him, where are you? Right? So he said, I heard your voice in the garden and I was afraid because I was naked and I hid myself. And he said, who told you that you are naked? Nobody had to tell him. Now he's having a strange consciousness of things he's not meant to have consciousness of. Oh my God, you people know this. For some of you that have had pornography addiction, the first time you watch pornography, something switched in you. I don't know about you, probably it happened to me. Something switched that things that seemed normal to people became perverted to me. I don't know if I'm the only person that experienced such, such... What happened to Adam here was that he came to a point where he came to a reality where not... It was not about God's definition of things anymore. It was about his definition of, thing, of things. That's what happened to um, Eve also. That she was able to see a tree that God had said was not good for them, but she was able to see that it was good for them. Are you listening to me? They, they got into a reality. Now, let's read further. And we'll see um, what exactly happened to them. Let's start reading from verse 15. 15 said, now, this is what happened to them. 15 said, and I'll put an enmity between you and the woman. Right? He said, I'll put an enmity between you and the woman. This is causing the snake. And between your seed and her seed. Obviously, this is, this talks about salvation. It's called the Evangelion. This is the first time the, the gospel was preached and it was preached by God. The promise of salvation. Right? Now, we go further. Now, he said to the woman, I will greatly multiply your sorrows and your conception. In pain, you shall bring forth children. Your desire shall be, shall be for your husband and ye shall rule and he shall rule over you. Now, to Adam, he said, because you have heeded the voice of your wife, you have eaten from the tree of which I have commanded you, saying you shall not eat. He said, cost is the ground for your sake. Oh my God. He says, in toil you shall eat of it. All the days of your life, both thorns and thistles, it, it shall bring forth to you. You shall eat the herb of the field. In sweat, in the sweat of your face, you shall eat bread. Till you return to the ground, for out of it you are taken. For dust you are, and dust you shall return. Now, a lot of people think this is a curse. This was not a cause per se. This was a reality they had entered. Oh my God, I need to explain this better. This was a reality they had entered. In the sense that man that had everything at, the, at his beck and call now was in a, at a point where they were now enemies of God. They had committed treason. That's one. They, are, they were now enemies of God. And when you read further, you see that they were chased out of the garden. Out of the garden, where the tree of life was. Meaning, you are no more part of this kingdom, get out. They were, I need to read something to you. They were chased out and they were shamefully disgraced. But here's the thing. That was the mercy of God. Like I said, this, was not a, this, this is not a cause. This is a reality. You need to understand something. If God really was, wanted to destroy them at that point in time, he would have kept them in time, like Satan. Some, do you know that Satan can't can repent? You know that, right? Have you ever asked the question, why can't Satan repent? Why can't he just ask God for, for, for forgiveness? Do you know why he can't? Because he's not in time. 
in time, and this is why this is very theological. This, this is another explanation. I'm, while preparing for this course, I, like, I was like, oh gosh, I should, I'm not going to enter this. I'm not going to enter this so that I don't deviate. But because man is in time, man has the ability to still change his mind. Are you listening to me? Man has the ability to still change his mind. <laughs> I know you have a lot of questions. That's why I say I'm not going to enter it. Don't worry. Man has the ability to change his mind. I want to read, I want to read um, a commentary from one of my favorite, favorite um, commentaries. It's Matthew Henry. I want to read his commentary on Genesis chapter 3. Look at what he says. He says, The communication of his grace was withheld, and Adam became weak, like other men, as Samson, when the Spirit of the Lord had departed from him. His acquaintance with God was lessened and lost. The correspondence which had been settled between man and maker was interrupted and broken off. He was driven out as one unworthy of this honor and incapable of this service. This is what happened to man. Man became enemies with God. Oh my God, this is big. Because when we read further, we, began, we begin to see the extent of enmity. Or we begin to see the extent to which man had become enemies with God. It became much. You, need to, you know, the Lord said you would die. The Lord told Adam, you would die. Do you know how long it took Adam to die? Let's read it. 900 years, right? I mean, we see that in Genesis chapter 5. We see that in Genesis chapter 5. We see Adam die where? Um, Genesis 5, we see Genesis, yeah? verse 5, you see, he died in verse 5? Yes, he said, mm -hmm. he lived for 930 years. For the effect of, of what had happened to his spirit to show in the physical, it took 930 years. And immediately Adam, or immediately the world, or his generation, his immediate generation could conceive death. You need to understand, they were not created to die. But when the spirit was apart from God and the spirit died, it affected the flesh. So that is now when he could die. And because Adam could die, I mean, it took time for, for them to be able to consider the reality of death. But when it happened now, when you read further in chapter 5, you start to see after death started happening, one after the other, everybody's time became shorter. Read chapter 5. When, when you're alone, read chapter 5, you, see, you start to see that everybody's time, everybody's time started becoming shorter. Because what happened was, they now understood that that was not the reality. The reality it now became a stamped reality. Death became a reality of the, of the old man. Are you with me? So, the reality of the old man is first enmity with God. Right? The reality of the old man is first reality, is first enmity with God. Secondly, is what? Is death. It's destruction. I mean, Genesis chapter 5 shows us the effect of this separation with God. That species that we are never created to die began to catch up to their reality of their fallen nature. Man conceived death. It was never meant to happen. No matter how long it took, it happened. Now, I mean, what's the average lifespan of a man now? Science. 70, actually, according to science, I think. That's the average lifespan of a man. I mean, it, it differs from country to country. But 70, we are coming from 900 or something to 70. Some men married at 100 and, you understand? You know, you know, like you, they remained single for 100 and something years before they married. That is to show you the reality. Now everybody is disturbing you, you're 20 something. Where will you get a wife? Where will you? Then it took them like hundred and something. They are men. They are they mass works. <laughs> you get? I'm trying to explain to you reality. This reality kept showing its head. Oh, we're going for evangelism. So this will not be as long as the other one. The other part doesn't. Probably that's why people run around. But this, this reality kept showing its, its face. But don't forget. Don't forget that salvation or a way out has been prophesied. Has been spoken to by God. Saying the seed of a woman. 
But then, over time, God wanted to streamline his promise. He had to. I mean, Adam, literally, is the father of mankind. He is mankind. He's going to be the um, first of every human being. So, the promise had to come from a nation. It had to come from a person. Right? Then we see Noah. Right? We see Noah. Let's open to Genesis chapter 6. I want to point out something. We see Noah, Genesis chapter 6, from verses 1 to 9. I need someone that, that is fast, someone that wants to read um, from verses 1 to 9. Please help me. Is it on? Now, okay. men began to multiply on the face of the earth, and mm -hmm. daughters were born to them. That the sons of God saw the daughters of men, and they took wives for themselves, whom they chose. And the Lord said, My spirit shall not strive with man forever, for he is indeed flesh, yet his days shall be 120 years. And you see that again, it's coming down again. We'll continue. There were giants on the earth in those days, and also, also afterward, when the sons of God came into the daughters of men, and they bore children to them, those were the mighty men who were of old, mm. men of renown. Then the Lord said, Then the Lord saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth, and that every intent of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. And the Lord was sorry that he had made man on earth, and he was grieved in his heart. So the Lord said, I will destroy man whom I have created from the face of the earth, both man and beast, creeping in the air. For I am sorry that I have made them. But Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. Mm -hmm. This is the genealogy no, of Noah. You. Thank you so much. Um, Noah found grace in the, the eyes, eyes of the Lord. Lord. Praise God. Now, this is a story everybody knows, right? We see scripture called some people, sons of God. The right interpretation, for, the right, um, interpretation of that is called Elohim. That was not God. I mean, Elohim is... The Jews called anything they could not understand Elohim. Now, but God is an Elohim separate from other Elohims. That, that is on that topic. On like, can you see why I'm saying that? I, I wanted to deviate, but I can't deviate. Let me, let me start. So, we see scripture. The son of the sons of God came into the daughters of men. And what happened was the blood of man was tainted. We started, we started having giants. And not just giants. We started having, we started to see, um, yes, we started having giants, men of renown. I mean, you still hear of stories of you still hear of stories of, uh, we see giants in scripture, we still hear of stories um, Greek, Greek mythos, right? Greek mythology. We still hear of men like Hercules, the rest, and da, 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 da. Different cultures have different um, stories like that. But what happened? Scripture says, and Noah found grace in the sight of God. My scripture says, called Noah perfect. Am I correct? Am I the only one? He says, let's start from verse 9. He says, this is the genealogy of Noah. Noah was a just man, perfect in his generation. That word there, perfect in the generation, meant he was the only man alive. With pure, like he was, he was purely man, truly man, truly man. Like nobody has slept with his mother, you know. No one has slept with his mom for him to maybe be part, be part, um, what the word there is, Nephilim. For him to be called Nephilim. So the reason why he was, the reason why he was, please can we take our seats? The reason why, Noah was saved by God because a lot of people ask questions to why did God destroy the earth with water, right? Or why did God commit, they will call it genocide. He didn't. He, what he was trying to do was to preserve mankind. So Noah was called a perfect man in his generation, not because of his actions, but because of who he was, a man. Are you listening to me? So he's called um, perfect in his generation because he's a man and that's why he was saved. Now, can you see now, God is not trying to, God is, trying to save man and he's streamlining the generation he's streamlining he's streamlining the nations he's streamlining to a particular person a particular generation but then after noah we see another story of we see another story called the tower of babel let's go for that genesis chapter um genesis chapter 11 praise god genesis chapter 11 do do i have to eat the mic before like i hear i'm not hearing myself I, I, can you guys hear me from the is it good okay i, I don't I'm not hear myself so 
I feel like I'm eating. I have to eat the mic. So, um, Genesis chapter what? 11 from verse 1 to 9. Can we read it, please? Or can we read it together? You know what? Let's read. Let someone read 1 to 5. Then all of us will read 5 to or 6 to 9. Is that, is that good? Read 1 to 5. And it came to pass as they journeyed from the east that they found a plain in the land of Shina mm. and they dwelt there. Then they said to one another, Come, let's make brick and break them and break them thoroughly. They had brick for stone and they had asphalt for mortar. And they said, Come, let us build ourselves a city and a tower whose top is in the heavens. Mm-hmm. Let us make a name for ourselves, lest we be scattered abroad over the face of the whole earth. But the Lord came down to see the city and the tower which the sons of men had built. Okay, let's read um, verses 6 together from is it NKJV 3 2. One go. People are reading like this. You're reading like this. Let's go again. Let's start again. Verse six. Three, two, one. Like soldiers. Uh huh. Mm-hmm. Yes. Uh huh. Let's go down to nine. He says, "Come, let us go down and confuse their language, that they may not understand one another's speech." So the Lord scattered them abroad, and they ceased building the city. Therefore, the name is called what? Because and from there, the Lord scattered abroad over all the face of the earth. Now, that is not how we have nations, but I want to show you something. Something I'm always itching to teach. Let's open to Deuteronomy chapter thirty-two, verse seven to nine. Yes, yes, you can read, please. Detroit chapter 32. Oh my God. I, I just hope. Who is not here? She will ask questions. But Detroit chapter 32. From verse 7 to 9. Remember the days of old. Consider the years of many generations. Yeah. Ask your father and he will show you. Your elders and they will tell you. When the Most High divided their inheritance to the nation, when he separated the sons of Adam, he set the boundaries of the people according to the number of the children of Israel. For the Lord's portion is his people. Jacob is the place of his inheritance. Praise God. Let me, I, I want to explain that scripture to you. Should I open that scripture? No. Deuteronomy chapter 32, from verse 7 to 9, talks about this time. It talks about what happened in Babel. It talks about what happened in that city. And how the Lord chose Israel for his inheritance. Now. I'm looking, I, I'm trying not to deviate, but I'm trying to give people enough information for us to go forward. Now, what the Lord did was, nations were divided. And he gave these nations unto princes. Or you will call them, or you can call them sons of God. When you go to Daniel, to read the book of Ezekiel or Daniel, when Daniel was about to pray, and an angel came to him and said, immediately you prayed, your, your, prayer, your prayer was answered. Right? Immediately you prayed, your prayer was answered, but we were the prince of Greece. Huh? The prince of um, Persia and Greece withheld these are actually princes of nations that when the Lord spoke, let's open to Psalms chapter, let's open to Psalms, is it 180? Yes, let's open. I'm going too far, but I, I don't think my mind will allow me. Oh, no, 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 no. 118, where he says, um, I'm looking for where he says, um, but you are gods, but you shall die like me, men. Psalm what? Psalm 80, am I correct? Yes, 82. Psalm 82. So, now, he is talking to Psalm 82 verse 6, he says, um, I said you are gods, but you shall die like, he says, sorry, 
I said, you are gods and you all are the children of the Most High and you shall die like mere men and fall like one of the princes. He says, arise, O God, for... And this was not talking about men. It was not talking about you at first. It was talking about what had happened on the earth. In the sense that the earth had been divided. See, I'm, I'm going to explain this, but not today. But the earth had been divided to the sons of God. But the sons of God came to a point where they took um, injustice and they sided with wickedness. So one, that, that is why one of the um, that is why one of the the cards or titles of, title of God is good judge. He's going to come as a judge. Let's just what we are trying to bring out from the passage is that in Babel God chose Israel as His own, and this is there's a reason for this. He chose Jacob as his inheritance because through Israel, the seed was going to come. A new reality was going to be birthed. Are you with me? Let's go further. Genesis. Genesis chapter 12, the calling. Genesis chapter 12. We see God, I don't think we need to read that, but we see God call a man, Abraham. We're going to open scriptures. I hope people will know that. We see God call a man, Abraham. Let's see that. He says, now the Lord said to Abraham, get out of your country, from your family, and from your father's house to a land I will show you. I will make you a great nation. I will bless you, and you shall be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and I will cause him who cause you, and in you. All the families of the earth shall be blessed. Can you see that? God is calling a man. God is streamlining his promise. God is streamlining his promise. Hallelujah. Praise God. Hallelujah. See, something I see, something I see or I know that's going to happen from this meeting is that I'm, I, I see giants rising. Right? When I mean I see giants rising, I, I mean I, I see people that are able to handle, that are able to handle the supernatural with ease. Let me tell you. Um, spiritual things is not in domain. It takes time, right? It takes time. And because it takes time, we need to build up. You need to understand. This is the backstory. This is why this is happening. I'm not even going hard on evil. Paul did his own and someone died. Right? <laughs> this AC here, this, this. I probably have reason why all of you are like, oh my God, oh, Jesus, why did I come here? <laughs> but this is not really, this is not really good part. We are just seeing God streamlining this. Now, God calls Abraham. In verses 15, he speaks to him again and says, you're going to be a nation. Now, everything is happening to Abraham, but Abraham doesn't even really know exactly what is happening at first. At first, that is. But then we see that as Abraham is going on his journey, that God begins to unveil the vision to him. Unveil the reason why he has been called. Because a seed was going, from him, a seed was going to be a reality. A seed that is going to birth another reality on the earth. A seed that was going to bet a tree that he wanted humanity to eat of again. Are you listening to me? So now, Abraham, or Ab uh, his name was changed. Not only was his name changed, a lot that happened. He had become rich. Because you need to understand, God was protecting salvation. Abraham at a point represented that salvation. And because Abraham believed God's promise of a seed coming through him and God making him a nation, God called him righteous. Have you ever asked yourself, if we say righteousness comes by faith, why then the people of all, if we say righteousness comes by Christ Jesus alone, we are made righteous by Christ Jesus alone, why then we are people in the Old Testament called righteous? Particular people in the Old Testament. Have you ever asked yourself that question before? Huh? Do you have an answer? You don't have an answer. Who, who has an answer? Do you have an answer? Huh? If righteousness came by Jesus Christ alone, why then? Do we see in Hebrews 
or do we see in in, in um, Romans that certain men were called righteous? And this is okay. Let me answer this. It has to do with faith, in the sense that they believe true their actions and through the nation they were in, right, that someone was coming, re a reality was coming. So in their actions, their actions show that they believed in Christ Jesus and so they were let's come. Faith, faith is believing in the act, believing in the plans of Jesus and what to do, right? That is how faith comes and that righteousness comes. This is what in this animal called right? cross of the story. The cross of the story is there is a man called Adam who is let's open our scripture. To Genesis chapter 21, verse 12. Someone should read, please. Genesis chapter 21, verse 12. Someone else. Romans chapter 9, from verse 6 to 8. Yes. In your sight, because of what the lad or because of your bondwoman. Mm -hmm. Whatever Sarah has said to you, listen to her voice. For in Isaac, your seed shall be called. Isaac's seed shall be called. Oh my. Romans chapter 9, mm -hmm. from verse 6 to 8, and it says, But it is not that the word of God has taken no effect, for they are not all Israel who are of Israel, nor are they all children because they are the seed of Abraham. But in Isaac your seed shall be called. That is, those who are the children of the flesh, these are not the children of God, but the children of the promise are counted as the seed. For this is the word of promise. At this time I will come, and Sarah shall have a son. Can we read um, verses 8 together? Can we read verses 8 together? 3, 2, 1, with, at the top of your voice. Verses 8. 3, 2, 1, go. That is, those who are the children of the flesh, mm -hmm. these are not the children of God, uh -huh. but the children of the promise are count as the seed. Hmm. Can you see that? So, when God said, your seed shall be called, what God was trying to say was, hey, Adam, I'm not talking about your, the people that are going to come according to um, your flesh. That is your, your biological children. He's, he was talking about something else. Oh my God. Paul explained this better in chapter 4 of um, Romans. Why did I put this in my notes? Paul explained this very well in chapter 4 of Romans. He talked about how Adam, or sorry, he talked about how Abraham is father of faith and how he received righteousness by because he believed. And how we also will be righteous because we believe. And we are part of that family because we believe. Not because we are born. Yes. Not because we are born as Abraham's um, seed or biologically Abraham's our father, but Abraham's our father because we believe and because because through our true believing we have now become sons. So he was talking about a promise. Oh my God, this is so exciting! Is it, is it, is it, is it not exciting? It's so exciting. So this is what this is what God was successful successfully doing, and God successfully did it in Abraham. That through Abraham a nation was built, and it, and and in that nation or through that nation. Many people are going to be blessed. Many billions and millions of people are going to be blessed. I want us to open to Romans chapter 3, 19 to 20. As we open that, I want to say something. Now, this story, this story is, is still going forward. God had re-established the nation. But you need to understand, this is hundreds of years after. Everybody now has a reality. Everybody now has a lie as a reality. Everybody now believes that um, fornication is, is normal. I mean, Abraham had a concubine. In fact, not only did Abraham have a concubine, 
He's the bond woman. We just spoke about the bond woman. He sent a woman away because his wife said, like, literally everybody was like, this is normal. His wife came to him, father of righteousness, came to him and said, sir, sleep with my house help because I cannot give birth. These things have become normal. Death has become normal. Enmity with God is normal. The five senses is normal. So, the thing is, the people that are not normal will not know that they are not normal because everybody is like that. It's like if in a class, right, in a class, they gave us tests or uh, they gave us tests and everybody scored five. Five over 100. The test was hard. Everybody five over 100. So, you, you, you scored two. You now went home. Then I said, then I asked you, why did you score this? You say, ah, mommy, let me just tell you, that thing was hard. Everybody, everybody failed it like this. You will go to bed sleeping. Do you understand? You will go to bed sleeping. You will sleep so well. But if you are the only one that scored two over 100, everybody's doing 98, 99, you go and cry, Father, why me? Why? Am I this dumb? Am I clinically dumb? Check it. You will ask yourself the question because you now see that there's a different reality and other people have something different. Is what was happening here in the Old Testament. They said that every single person had a reality. Nobody had a different reality. No one had a different reality. Everyone was scared of God. And nobody did. Nobody knew God. Not everybody was scared of God. No, I wish we are going to a place where everybody became scared. Nobody knew God. <laughs> nobody had a relationship with God. Everybody were slaves to sin. They did what they did what their their their, their minds could conceive. Imagine Abel and Cain. Cain killing Abel. No, but nobody thought Cain to kill. Nobody had killed before. The devil did not whisper in his ear. He conceived it in his heart. This is what has happened to man. So what did God do? God introduced a law. Are you listening to me? The first covenant God did in the Bible is the Abrahamic law, the Abrahamic covenant that God had with man. But that particular covenant was for a nation. Telling him that this nation was going to be birthed through him. That was the first covenant he made. The second covenant was the Mosaic law. The one we have in tablets and in stones. Not only did it end there, we have, there are some ceremonial, um, um, it's called ceremonial laws also. God gave these laws to these men. Why did he give them these laws? Let us open Romans chapter, what did I say? 3 from verse 19 to 20. The person with the mic should read. I want you to be loud. Romans chapter 3, from verse 19 to 20. Okay. Now we know that whatever the law says, mm -hmm. it says to those who are under the law, mm. that every mouth may be stopped and all the world may come, become guilty before guilty God. Before God. Is that all? That's 19 years. That's 19. Yeah. What about, give me 20. Therefore, by the deeds of the law, no flesh will be justified mm -hmm. in his sight. Mm -hmm. For by the law is the knowledge of sin. Can you see that? Now, that's the reason. I want to say something. The law was not given to us. The law was not given to us. I see a lot of um, Nigerians. They call themselves atheists. Why would you? I will not honor the law. They will ask funny questions. But we, we are not giving the law. The law was given to Israelites. We are Gentiles. Do you know that? Nigerians are not Israelites. Nigerians are not Jews. Uh -huh. We are not giving the law. But there's a reason why the law was given to the Israelites. The law was given to the Israelites to show the Israelites that they had a problem. It's like um, when you give a chicken the law of a dog, you tell the chicken, you know what I want you to do? Oh, no. Dogs don't even have laws. Let me get, when you give a dog the law of a chicken, that's, this was this what the law was. You give a dog the law of a chicken. You tell the dog, I want you to bark by 6 a.m. every day, right? No, not bark. I want you to crow by 6 a.m. every day because barking is easy. It, it's his nature. I want you to crow or what, what sound do chicken makes? Do your chicken make? Huh? 
day, something, something, something like that. I want you to crow, crow, is it, is it, is it, is it? or clock, or something like that. At least clock. The clock, Abby. You guys are not, I thought you I've been out of school, I'm, I'm an old man, I'm elderly, let me tell you, <laughs> that's my excuse. But now you're telling a dog to clock by probably by six, right? Six every morning. In the afternoon, I want you to clock also. And in the evening, I want you to clock also. It becomes a problem. Because you're giving the dog the laws of a chicken. You're telling the dog to give birth and its offspring should be in an egg. Now, that's the problem. What God did to Israel was God wanted to show Israel they had a problem. And God gave Israel the laws of God. Are you with me? God gave man his laws to keep. So, you now, see, you now start to see funny laws. Like, don't kill. Thou shalt not kill. But just, there lies the problem. The, the heart of man is now evil and desperately evil. So now, how can we not kill? How can we not war? Are you listening to me? You now start to see laws. Do not steal. But my, my heart, I covet what you want, what you have. I want what you have. There lies the problem. Do not fornicate. But there is a law in my members that wants someone else. Someone else's daughter. So, there is a problem. Are you seeing where the problem is? Now, it doesn't do end there. There are now ceremonial laws where it says if a woman has her menstrual period, she's unclean. Oh my God. Then what is now happening? What then is the aim of the law? God is trying to say here that the problem, you, the problem is that you are human. The problem is not what you do. The problem is that you are human. The problem is who you are. You are going to be destroyed not because of what you do, but because of who you are. That if you touch a dead body, you're unclean. These are things that cannot be avoided. Are you listening to me? When you read the laws in Leviticus, you see that these are laws that cannot be avoided. So what then was the purpose of the law? The purpose of the law, like Romans or like Paul explained, was to show man that man is guilty before God. So when you come before God, you know you are in trouble just because you are human. This was God showing man that is a problem between you and me. You're listening. You're with me, right? It doesn't end there. That's not the spiritual past. Let's go to Leviticus. Oh, before we go to Le- uh, before we go to Leviticus, let's see Hebrews chapter ten. Let's see Hebrews chapter ten. We've not even touched Hebrews. Hebrews chapter ten from, from verse one to nine. Oh, I invited someone to this meeting. I can't find the person. Do you know I was having a word of knowledge about one particular person since last year about this meeting? I called the person and I said, "Hey, I want to invite you for this meeting personally because the Lord asked me to. I can't find the person. I hope the person watches it. There's something I, have, I want to say right now that was particularly created for that person. So sad. Hebrews chapter ten from verse one to nine. For the law, having a shadow of the good things to come, and not the very image of the things, mm-hmm. can never be, can never with these same sacrifices which they offer continually year by year make those who approach perfect. Mm. For then, would they not have ceased to be offered? For the worshippers, once purified, would have had no more consciousness of sin. But in those sacrifices, there is a reminder of sins wait, every year. Wait, I want to read verse four together. Verse four together. Three. Oh my God! I want you to read verse four at the top of your voice. Three, two, one, go. For it is not possible that the blood of bulls and goats could take away sins. Oh my God. I'm going to explain this statement. <laughs> See, I was preparing for this meeting. And I, was, I got to the point I was crying. I got to the point I was crying. Jesus. Let, let, let's go for that. You can continue from verse 5. Therefore, when he came into the world, he said, Sacrifice and offering you did not desire, but a body you have prepared for me. In burnt offerings and sacrifices for sin, you had no pleasure. Mm-hmm. Then I said, Behold, I have come in the volume of the book. It is written of me to do your will, O God. Mm-hmm. Previously saying, Sacrifice and offering, mm-hmm. burnt offerings and offerings for sin you did not desire, nor had pleasure in them, which are offered according to the law. Then he said, Behold, 
I have come to do your will, O God. He takes away the first that he may establish the second. He's doing too far. We're going, we've gone too far. Ah, he said what? The, bo- the, the blood of bulls and rams could not take away sin. Uh, Abi? Meaning these people just came every year. Why? They just came to remind themselves of what they did. <laughs> oh, but this is so sad. It's so sad. Let's open to Leviticus chapter 16. Uh, or, you know what? Let's go from verse 17. Sorry. Leviticus chapter 10. I want to show you something that happened. Leviticus chapter 10. Something happened in scripture. Now, I told you, the problem with man is not what he does. It's who he is. You know, it's, it's so sad. You know, it's so sad. Um, you want to enter somewhere and they tell you, you are not in the class of people that are in here. You know, it brings down your morale. So you tell them, but I have this certificate. I have this certificate. But they now tell you, you're coming from a family that is poor. You're, you're, not, you're not in this class or something like that. If they say royalty, the family, the, the party is a party of royalties. And you come in and they say, oh, you don't have any royal person in your bloodline. Oh, you're just like, I'm, qualif- you're, I'm disqualified because of who I am. Let's read Leviticus chapter 10. Now, he says, Then Nabdab and Abihu, the sons of Aaron, each took his censer and put in fire, put incense on it, and offered what? Profane fire before the Lord, which he had not commanded them. The Lord had not commanded them. He says, so the fire went, so he says, so fire went out from the Lord and devoured them, and they died before the Lord. And Moses said to Aaron, this is what the Lord spoke, saying, by those who come near me, I must be regarded as what? Holy. Says, I must be what? And before all people, I must be glorified. So Aaron held his peace. That is so sad. That is, I think that's the saddest line I've ever seen in, in entire scripture. You need to understand what's happening. His sons are priests. They are not high priests. They lit fire and they took censor, incense. sorry, And they went to the holies of holies. And God killed them. His two sons went one day. And this man was livid. What happened? This man was crying in Bible study. And, they, and Moses told him, the Lord said that he is holy. So they can't come in. They came in and they died. And a father of two, a father of two held his peace. Ah! You don't understand. This is scary. You can't do anything to God. Do you understand what I'm saying? Their lives have been taken. Their lives have been taken. Because of their reality, they are in enmity with God. Why was the fire profane? The fire was profane because of who they were. They were not high priests. They were not qualified to come there. And in fact, the high priest is only supposed to come there once a year. Let's go to Leviticus chapter 16. Leviticus chapter 16. Now, this is where it gets interesting. It says, now, the Lord spoke to Moses after the death of the two sons of Aaron. When they offered profane fire before the Lord, and died. And the Lord said to Moses, tell Aaron, your brother, not to come at just any time into the holy place. Are you seeing that? He's saying this because, hey, we are not friends. We are not mates. You don't come to see me anytime. This, is, this, this was man and God. You're going to get, you're going to get sin offering for yourself and then for the children of Israel. But it's, what here is, what was happening here? I'm going to explain. So, Aaron got a bull. And what Aaron does is, Aaron puts his hand on the bull. God, told, God tells him, you're going to put your hand on the bull. This is the, I call this the doctrine of forgiveness. You know, a lot of people think forgiveness is by asking God. A lot of people think that you get, you're, you get forgiven or you are forgiven by asking God to forgive you. Father, forgive me. I have messed up. 
I fornicated, I just watched pornography, I just stole that person's phone, I was a Yahoo boy, forgive me. That's not forgiveness happens, that's not forgiveness works. But God is telling him how the sin offering should be done. So he gets the bull and he puts his hand on, he puts his hands on the bull, right? And as he puts his hand on the bull, he's, he confesses every sin he knows about on the bull. Let me give an example. This is the bull, right? This is the bull. I'm going to put the chair back. This is the bull. And the bull comes, he puts his hands on the bull like this, right? And he confesses all his sins and he slays the bull. By this, what he's saying is he is putting his sins on the bull. But we know nothing is happening. We know nothing is happening because we have the New Testament. The New Testament is a commentary of the Old. Nothing is happening. But that's not really the interesting part. God tells him to bring two goats. Hallelujah. God tells him to bring two goats for who? For the Israelites. Now, after he had, asked, after he had done the rite of forgiveness of sin for himself, sorry, atonement for sin for himself, what he does now is he brings two goats. Now, these two goats, very important, they are for the Israelites. He puts his hands on the goats as the high priest of Israel and confesses all the sins of the Israelites upon the two goats. Now, then he now takes lots. He now takes lots, meaning he's going to choose any at random. One will be slain, and the blood of that one will be taken to the mercy seat in the holies of holies. By 12 o'clock, we will have a break, right? I just, I just, I just, I just feel like 11.30. <laughs> this is like 8. But, <laughs> but are you trying, are you understanding me? Where was I? Aha. Uh-huh. He takes a lot, right? So one is going to go to the mercy seat, the slain to go to the mercy seat, and the other one is going to be let set free. There's a way I want to explain this thing. Huh? Now, somebody that I respect, or I, res- I respect him, obviously, I respect him highly. He said, right? I'll say that later. But now, this sacrifice, right? This sacrifice typifies the sacrifice of Christ. These two goats, right? These two goats typify the sacrifice of Christ in the sense that Christ was, is going to be our sin offering. One of the titles of Christ is the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. In that, he who knew no sin became who? Became what? Became sin. That is a great mystery. That how can one who never knew sin, who was not in our reality, takes on our reality and is slain? And not only is he slain, he takes, uh, he takes his blood as our high priest into the holies of holies. And he sheds his blood. Now, because you need to understand, the sacrifice in Leviticus, when the goat is slain, the goat that, the goat that its blood is meant to go into the mercy seat, when it's slain, a hyssop, a hyssop is a, um, a tree of herbs, a, a bush um, tree of, herb, of herbs. What is, what, what is used for? is used for dipping it in, into the blood and sprinkling it around the um, holies of holies. What is there for is to purify the temple, right? He purifies the temple, he separates the temple, and he separates the temple, and it is meant to clear the conscience of, because it is not only spraying the temple, it's also, uh, it's also sprinkled on the Israelites. It is meant to typify the blood washing them of their sins. Are you listening to me? But that was never what happened. 
Let's open Hebrews. This is going to be the last thing that we take. We take probably like a 20, 25 minutes break. Let's open Hebrews. Hebrews chapter 9. Oh, I've over-explained. I'm somewhere else. Okay. Hebrews chapter 9. From verse 11 to 28. Who wants to read for me so fast? Hebrews chapter 9 from verse 11 to 28. Is that, is that mic working? Okay. Um, Hebrews 9 from verse 11. But Christ came as high priest of the good things to come, mm -hmm. with a greater and more perfect tabernacle, mm -hmm. not made with ants, that is, not of this creation, not with the blood of, go blood of goats and calves, mm -hmm. but with his own blood, he entered the most holy place once for all, having obtained eternal redemption. Mm -hmm. For if the blood of bulls and goats and ashes of a alpha, sprinkling the unclean, sanctifies for the purifying of the flesh, how much more shall the blood of Christ... Where are you, sir? Verse 14 now. Verse 14, okay. How much more shall the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit offered himself without spot to God, mm -hmm. cleans your conscience from dead works to serve the living God? Yes. And for this reason, he is the mediator of the what new covenant, covenant by means of death, for the redemption of the transgression under the first covenant, mm -hmm. covenant that those who are called may receive the promise of the eternal... Can someone read from 16 to the end, to 28 for me? Ish. No, 16 to 22 for me. Someone else? 16 to 22 for me. For where there is a testament, there must also of necessity be the death of the test testator. testator. For a testament is in force after men are dead, mm -hmm. since it has no power at all while the testator lives. Mm -hmm. Therefore, not even the first covenant was dedicated without blood. Mm -hmm. For when Moses had spoken every precept to all the people according to the law, he took the blood of calves and goats with water, scarlet wood, and high soap, and sprinkled both the book itself and all the people, saying, This is the blood of the covenant which God has commanded you. Then likewise, he sprinkled with blood both the tabernacle and all the vessels of ministry. Mm -hmm. And according to the law, almost all things are purified with blood. Mm -hmm. And without shedding of blood, there is no remission. Oh my God, that's so powerful. Can you see that without shedding of blood, there is no what? Without shedding of blood, there is no what? Let someone else read from 20, 23 to 28. Someone else, 23 to 28. Someone else, 23 to 28. Who wants to read? Someone else. I need someone else to read 23 to 28 for me. Why was scared? Nobody wants to read. Therefore, it was necessary that the copies of the things in the heavens should be purified with these, mm -hmm. but the heavenly things themselves with better sacrifices than these. For Christ has not entered the holy places made with hands, which are copies of the true, but into heaven itself, now to appear in the presence of God for us. Mm -hmm. Not that he should offer himself often, as the high priest enters the most holy place every year with blood of another. He then would have would have had to suffer often since the foundation of the world. Mm -hmm. But now, once at, once at the end of the ages, he has appeared to put away sin by the sacrifice once of himself. For all. And as it is appointed for men to die once, mm. but after this, the judgment, so Christ was offered, offered once to bear the sins of many. To those who eagerly wait for him, he will appear a second time, apart from sin. Glory to God. Hi, can you see that? We are talking about the sacrifice. And we see, he's talking about what happened in, in the law. That without blood, or he starts this way, for a covenant to be enforced, blood has to be shed, someone has to die. Right? The life of one has to be offered. And... He said here, it has to be the life of a man. But here, when we go, when we see in the law, we see the life of bulls being offered, meaning there was something wrong. Meaning, what was going on was a picture was being painted of the real thing. Are you getting me? A picture was being painted of the real thing. I, I think I, I, I have defined typology before as, I explain it this way. I explain typology as um, Easter eggs. I've, I've explained that way before. Who has ever watched a Marvel movie before? Who, who follows Marvel? Who's a fan of Marvel movies? Are you a fan? Are you a fan of Marvel movies? You watch Marvel movies? You know, in Marvel movies, right, there is um, a phase. They call, they call their, their movies are in phases. Phase one, phase two, phase three. Who knows all of these things? I'm, I'm a comics fan like that. So what happens is at the beginning of the movies or probably in the middle of the movie, they start, they start telling you about the villain. The villain they're going to meet at the end of the phase. You know, I think they just changed the villain. The villain was meant to be Khan the Conqueror. 
that that is for this particular phase. I think we are in phase four or something. I don't watch movies again. God told me to stop watching movies, by the way. So um, the villain that's in phase four is meant to be Kang the Conqueror. Am I correct? I don't know. He's meant, to, but I think they changed. They've changed the villain. So what was happening was they were giving us Easter eggs of Kang is coming. Oh, let me give you an example um, of the last phase. The last phase was um, who was the villain? This purple guy, Thanos. Thanos was the, was the villain. But 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 in in those in other movies they were showing you that Thanos is coming. Someone is coming. We do not know who was coming, right? That is how typology is. Typology is like Easter eggs. They are trying to tell you Christ is coming, a reality is coming, a way out is coming. So they use different things. They used you're getting this when I re, when this truth entered my spirit, I used to stand up and I rejoice. I say glory to God. Christ is coming, and these typologies were done with either animals or people. Some people's lives were used as typology. Adam was a typology of Christ. Do you know that? Joseph, in a way, was a typology of Christ. So we see symbols, right? We see symbols being used as Easter eggs to tell us that the real thing is coming. Do you know that marriage also is a typology of the union of the, um, Christ and the church? So everybody just getting married, left, right, center. You don't know that's not the real thing. I'm waiting for the real thing. I'm joking. <laughs> I'm not joking. He says I'm waiting for the real thing. <laughs> Praise God. Hallelujah. I just, I want to emphasize this before we go on the break. Forgiveness is not a feeling. Do you get me? Forgiveness is not a feeling. Was never a feeling. Will never be a feeling. Forgiveness was never gotten by asking. Forgiveness is a, is a, is a dealing of blood. Someone has to die for you to be forgiven. And this is me jumping. Someone actually died for you to be forgiven. Praise God. That should make you happy. Someone actually died. He said, and he died once and for all. Do you understand? He did not die. He's not going to die twice. He's not going to die now and die another time. Like the high priest would do. The high priest, they needed to go in. Next year, they will go in. And it happened like that. But that's not the same thing with Jesus. Once and for all, he shed his blood. And he went into the temple, not made with hands. He went into the real temple with his blood. The blood of God. Such an irony. The blood of God was never meant to happen, but he did it for you. Praise God. Let's open our Bibles to Psalm chapter 51. We are continuing from where we stopped. And we stopped at um, the doctrine of forgiveness. And we emphasized how that forgiveness um, is not an issue of asking. It's an issue of blood. That is one. And two, Forgiveness is not given by man, it's given by God or given by who, who, was, who we transgressed against. Am I correct? Who did man anger or who did man go against? Huh? God, am I correct? So who then can forgive man? Praise God. I think in the last part, I talked about how one of the ways we know that Jesus is God or one of the ways we can prove the deity of Christ is what? Through um, seeing how he forgave sins. Like he forgives sins. And this, that is a point out to the fact that he is God. Right? Now, I think, I, I think I, during the week or during last week, someone asked me a question. Someone asked me a question. Um, he person told me, oh, there's a Muslim that wants to give their life to Christ. Sir, they sent me a message. They sent me a list of questions. Let me tell you, I was, I was not happy. The reason because I, I, I thought, I literally sat down nights to see how to present a message to people. And you are sending me questions telling me a Muslim, a Muslim wants to give his life to Christ. I don't know how to answer the question. When I've taught you people, right? So it's the same thing that I'm doing now 
compiling this to teach you about who you are in Christ Jesus. I remember last year I was teaching and I said, the same power that Jesus has is the same power you have. And the person said, eh? The person, the person, was, the person exclaimed in, the person exclaimed in, yeah, it was very dramatic. It was very like, was the person, the person sure what he's saying? Right? But then, we see, like I said, forgiveness is a question of what? Blood. Right? It's a question of blood. And there we see also that the sacrifice of bulls and rams are just a picture of what has come or what was to come to them, according to them, which is Christ. And because Christ has died for us, right, we can now say we are forgiven. I can look at someone and say, hey, I'm forgiven. Oh my God, I met a Muslim. My, my friends, they were meant to pick me and they, they were wasting my time. So there was this, I, I stayed, so I stayed, I went to the pharmacy to sit down and I mean, because the sun was quite hot. And I sat down, I sat down close to a Muslim. I, I, I didn't know he was a Muslim. I asked him for his name. We started talking and he told me, oh, I, okay, this is what I do. I asked him, oh, are you a Christian? And he said, no. I said, ah, why? Why are you not a Christian? You know, the question is like, ah, that's the trending thing. Like, why are you not a Christian? You know? And the person says, I'm, I don't know. I'm not a Christian. I was not born a Christian. So we began to talk. And the person, I asked the person, oh, um, so if you die now, where are you going to? And the person says, no man can know. You know, they always say that no man can know where, they, where they're going to. And I said, ah, but you see the thing, I, I know, you know, I know where I'm going to if I die. Like, if you shoot me now, like, I know where I'm going to. And the person said he doesn't think so. Why, why, do, I, why do I think so? But then I, I turned the question to him, why do you think you don't know where you're going to? He said, ah, you see, when we meet Allah, right, there's something they say, Allah, something, 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 S-A-W, something. As it's Muhammad, they, 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 they talked about like that. He said, when we meet Allah, we are subject to his mercy, you know. Whether he allows us in or whether he does not is up to him. Now, by saying that, what you are doing is you're painting Allah as an unjust judge. How many people are law students here? Who's a law student here? Nobody's a law student here. Huh? You're a law student. I want to ask you a question. I mean, anybody could can answer this. All right? Any, anybody can answer this. But I want, I want a direct question to ask you. If a judge is merciful, is he a good judge? Why is he a good judge? <laughs> What's your name, please? Hi, Docas. How are you doing? If a just judge okay. is merciful, is he an effective judge? Let me paint it so you can see, please. You don't understand. Let me paint it again. I'm going to paint the picture again. A just judge or a good judge, someone that's good at his job, is someone that gives you the punishment for your transgression. Am I correct? Right? Now, if he's merciful, meaning that he removes the punishment of your transgression, is he a good judge? Now, I know you're thinking about, oh, what if it's me? He will be a good judge to me, you know? But objectively speaking, is he a good judge? Now, this is the logical argument against Allah. Because you need to understand that if your future in the afterlife is based off of mercy and not of your works or not of a standard, meaning everybody's clueless. Every single person is clueless. Nobody knows where he is going or not. But it's not the same with Yahweh. If a judge, the judge of the universe, does not punish sin, it means he's an unjust judge and a wicked judge. Because what, who, who, how do I know if I'm going to go to heaven? Because I appear and he forgives the criminal and me, that I, I did not even, I've not even sinned like the criminal. I go to hell. Then the question is, what did he do? Did he bribe you? But we see God, we call God a just judge and merciful. 
that statement is a conundrum in itself. But it's not a conundrum when it comes to Yahweh. It's not a conundrum when it comes to the Elohim of the universe because he balances the statement in the sense that, like I said in Genesis, God showed his mercy by sending man out of the, out of the um, garden and extending the judgment. In doing so, he came and he took the punishment. There, has, there had to be a punishment for the sin. And that is why God came and God took the punishment. The punishment came, but someone else took it. Now, the story would be that someone else took it. But Revelation says that I took the punishment in Christ. Are you getting me? Oh my God, you guys are being like, if you're not getting me, tell me. Because a lot of people are going out. You don't, you don't get it. I should pick myself. We call Yahweh, God the Father, God. We call him a just, just judge and a merciful God. Those two statements are not meant to go together. Because if those two statements go together, it makes him an unjust judge. It makes him an ineffective judge, um, judge, meaning he's not capable of his job description. Are you listening to me? But now he makes that statement work because of what he did. He showed his mercy in the sense that he took our punishment for us. That means the punishment still came. But here, Allah is saying that I can withhold punishment. That is a theological statement. If you're saying you can withhold punishment from someone that has transgressed, it means that he has given you something. Something is wrong somewhere. If we cannot tell for a fact who will be punished and how they will be punished, there is then a problem. But when it comes to Yahweh, Yahweh took the punishment for us. The punishment still came, but in Christ, we took the punishment. In Christ, we resurrected. In Christ, we defeated the devil. But he did it for Oh, I'm going to do myself. Let's open Psalm 51. I want us to read something. I want, to, I want to show us, I want to leave the old man alone. I want, I want to show us the culmination of the old man. I'm, and I'm going, to give a, I'm going to give context to Psalm 51. This is David. David had just slept with Bathsheba. Right? David had just slept with who? Um, David had just slept with Bathsheba and killed Bathsheba's husband. That guy. That we call the heart of, oh, the man after the heart of God. the funny guy. So, he had killed the husband of Bathsheba, slept with the wife, impregnated her, I think he or she was pregnant, impregnated her, and Nathan, the prophet, had come to him and given him, him a warning, told him that this is the Lord after him. And then he went to the Lord in prayer. Can someone read for me? Can someone read 51 for me? Please be fast. Can you use NKJV for me? That's NKJV. Yes, use NKJV for me, someone, please. Can someone give you the mic? And have mercy upon me, O God, according to your loving kindness, according to the multitude of your tender mercies, blot out my transgression, wash me thoroughly from my iniquity, and cleanse me from my sin. For I acknowledge my transgressions, and my sin is always before me. Against you, you only have I sinned, and done this evil in your sight, that you may be found just when you speak, and blameless when you judge. Mm -hmm. Behold, I was brought forth in iniquity, and in, my, and in sin my mother conceived me. Mm -hmm. Behold, you desire truth in the inward parts, and in the hidden parts you would make me know wisdom. Purge me with high soap, and I shall be clean. Wash me, and I shall be whiter than snow. Make me hear joy and gladness, that the bones you have broken may rejoice. Hide your face from my sins, and blot out all my iniquities. Praise God. I'm, I'm going to jump now. I'm going to read um, 
I'm going to go from verse 14. He says, Deliver me from the guilt of bloodshed, O God, the God of my salvation, and my tongue shall sing aloud of your righteousness. Right? I'm going to jump back to verses 12. He says, Restore to me the joy of my salvation. A lot of people have sung, they've, they've turned this into a song, but it's not meant to be their reality. You're seeing the reality of a man that is a way that does not have what you have. He says, Restore to me the joy of my salvation. And uphold me by your generous spirit, and I will teach your and I will teach transgressors your way, and sinners shall be converted to you. This man is giving a prophecy. This man is prophesying what it will look like if his sins were taken away from him. If he wakes up one day and he has been made clean, look at what he says in verse 7. He says, Pour me with his soap, and I shall be clean. Wash me, and I shall be whiter than snow. Are you seeing that? He says, Wash me. He's not saying. A high priest should do the work. He's telling the Lord to do it. And the Lord had never done it before. Lord, the Lord had not done it till that time. Christ was going to do it. This was the cry of a, of, of a man in the Old Testament. This cannot be your cry. Are you listening to me? This cannot be your cry. Now, I, I, I need to rush. I don't think we're going to hold the evangelism again, but I need to rush. Right? Let's open to um, Hebrews chapter 10 verse 19, please. Someone. Hebrews chapter 10 verse 19. Someone else, Hebrews chapter um, 9, verse 14, for me. And Hebrews 10, 19. Therefore, yes. brethren, having the boldness to enter the holiest by the blood of Jesus. Mm-hmm. Um, Hebrews chapter 9, verse 14. Somebody can just shout. You just read, read for me. Uh huh. Praise God. See, I also want to say something. The blood of Jesus is not to cover your car. <laughs> Who has ever done that before? <laughs> Everyone has done it. Blood of Jesus. Blood of what? Blood of Jesus. Blood of Jesus. I covered the blood of my, my house. My car. I covered my house. <laughs> I covered my house with blood of Jesus. I covered the compound. I covered the, the fence. Like you, like painting the blood of Jesus. I covered the fence. When demons are fighting, we don't see me in Jesus' name. And my, house, my car is covered with the blood of Jesus. I cover the road with the blood of Jesus. What is that kind of prayer? I cover the road as I plow. <laughs> as I plow. When you're traveling, you're just painting the blood of Jesus on the street. Painting it, painting it, painting it. In the street, everything is red. <laughs> see, the blood of Jesus is not for that. Let's open to Hebrews chapter 9, verse 22. Let's see verse 22, please. There's one open for me, Matthew chapter 26, verse 28. Let's see what the blood of Jesus is for. And according to the law, mm-hmm. almost all things are purified. With blood mm-hmm. and without shedding of blood, mm-hmm. there is no remission. Hmm. Okay, let's see Matthew chapter 26, verse 28. Matthew chapter 26, verse 28. Someone wants to read out loud. Can you see that? The blood is for what? The blood is for what? The blood was payment. You are when we say you are blood bought, it means blood was shed for remission, meaning for your redemption, for, for payments of, of, for your sin. Meaning, you were once slaves to sin, right? But now, you are now slaves unto God because you have been bought. Glory to God. That's how to respond. You have been blood-bought. So, the blood, yes, is a sign of purification in the sense of holiness. Now, you have been set apart and your hearts have been purged of guilt. The new man in Christ Jesus can stand before God without guilt. You are that man. You can stand before God without any iota of guilt and transact with him and you can stand before the devil as, as his master. That is what righteousness does. You can stand before God without guilt and you stand before the devil as his master. 
Right? What's that? Okay. And you can stand before God without guilt. That's what the blood of Jesus is for. For the remission of sins. Using the blood of Jesus to kill your enemies. Is... Oh my Jesus. It was never for that. I know you are like, oh my God, she's breaking the table, I'm on. Or my mother and my father is on. Like, <laughs> See, it? It, it was for the remission of sins. In fact, if you're saying, by the blood of Jesus, that witch will die. What you're not saying is, by the blood of Jesus, Father, Lord, cover our sins. Take away our sins. The blood of Jesus is not for that. The blood of Jesus is for the remission of sins. Let's go further. We're not talking about the new man. Now, mind you, we're not talking about, this is now where we're coming to what we're discussing about for today. The new man. You need to understand, after decades and centuries and thousands of years, Everybody is accustomed to a reality that is ridden with death, poverty, sickness. Everybody is accustomed to, to saying sickness is part of life. You know, if the storms hit us on the way, we have to devise a way for us to probably go and hide. You know, everybody has come to a point where they are now slaves of nature. Everybody is now normal. Then, on one fateful night, a new reality came into the world a new reality came into the world and everybody could see that this person was different. Are you listening to me? Yes, everybody could see that this person was different. But, who? let's open some scriptures. Let's see some things. Let's open to Luke chapter 4 from verse 17 to 22. I think I'm, I, I want to read this. I think, you know, there are some moments in scripture that are gangster moments. This is one of them. This has to be one of them. You know, gangster moments in scripture. This is one of them. Luke chapter, Luke chapter 4 from verse 17 to, uh, what did I say? To 22. Okay, now, he says, He was handed the book of the prophet Isaiah. Jesus was in a synagogue. He had come to Nazareth. Now, and he had opened the book and found the place where it was written. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, he said, because he had anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor, and he had sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, and recovery to the, to the, what? To the blind. Uh, recovery of sight to be blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. Then he closed the book and gave it back to the attendant and sat down. And all eyes were on him in the synagogue, you know. And he began to say, "Today, this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing." Hey, God, this is who? Who are you? For you to read scripture and you say, you close it and you sit down. Everyone's expecting to talk, and what you say is, you see what I just read there. I'm the person I was talking about. <laughs> what? Do you see what they say? Do you know what they say? what they say after? They said, So all Bobbies of him are marveled at the gracious words which proceed out of his mouth. And they said, Is this not Joseph's son? Like, ah, nah, there's something wrong here. Be, is this not this capital son? What's he saying? Literally, what he just said was, You all are in bondage and I am not. You all are guilty and I'm not. No man had ever come with such boldness. Since Aaron. Aaron, your high priest, did not have such boldness. How dare him have that kind of boldness? To say who? That you're coming to take us out of bondage? Are you not part of us? That's what I'm saying. This is not Joseph's son. He was coming with a reality that was alien to them. Alien to them. Let's open to still the same look, chapter, chapter 5. Um, chapter 5 from verse 20 to 25. He forgave sins. Um, Luke chapter 5 from verse 20 to 25. Um, he says, when he saw their faith, he said to them, man, your sins are forgiven. Now, the scribes and the Pharisees lost it. They began to reason, saying, who is this who speaks blasphemy? Who can forgive sin but God alone? Because they understood he who they transgressed against was who? God. 
He was coming the reality falling from their own. I just hope you are understanding me. God, are you getting me? This Jesus was different. This Jesus, this Jesus is different. He came, he is different. Let's see, let's see Romans 5 from verse 12. Someone should read that for me. But this time, use NLT. Romans 5 from verse 12. Let's use, let's use NLT. Paul is trying to explain who this Jesus is and how he's different from Adam. Mm-hmm. Give me the mic, please. Thank you. Can you get the mic? Thank you. Use the mic. Mm-hmm. When Adam sinned, mm-hmm. sin entered the world. Adam sinned, brought death, so death spread to everyone. Uh-huh. For everyone sinned. Mm-hmm. Everyone sinned. Yes, people sinned even before the law was given, but it was not counted as sin because there was not yet any law to break. Mm-hmm. Still, everyone died. Still, everyone died. From the time of Adam to the time of Moses, mm-hmm. even those who did not disobey an explicit commandment of God, mm-hmm. as Adam did. Now, Adam is a symbol. Is a symbol, a representation of Christ, who was yet to come. But there is a great difference between Adam's sin and God's gracious gift. For the sin of this one man, Adam brought death to many. But even greater is God's wonderful grace and his gift of forgiveness mm. to many through this other man, Jesus Christ. Can you see that? Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Through one man, one man brought the reality and part of what that, that reality brought was death and sin. And that man brought another reality of forgiveness. Say I'm forgiving. It's a legal right. It's not a feeling. I'm forgiving. I know you've messed up. You know, a lot of people have messed up. They feel so dirty. You know, people call me and they're like, oh, I, I, I just, I did this. I did that. I slept with this person. I feel dirty. I, I fornicated. I did that. I had, I, I watched pornography. I did this. I, I feel dirty. But you're forgiving. Like, you know, the first thing I tell people that come and say, hey, I, sir, I have, I have an addiction problem. I need you to help me. Um, I tell them, hey, your problem is not that you want to go to heaven because you're already there if you're a believer. Right? Your problem is not that you, you, your, your skin got to forgive you. Your problem is that you want to, you want your works to be aligned to what God has said about you. That's just, that's just what you want to do. Let's get our priority straight. Do you know let's get Let's know what we are coming here for. That is it. I'm forgiving. It has to sink in. I'm forgiving. So that when you fall, you stand up again. It's not about, I'm not saying you don't feel remorse. Like, when you forgive, when you mess up, you're like, Lord, I, I, I messed up. I know I can do better. But you don't wallow and say, hey, this God, I don't know. He has probably left me. I can't, I can't feel his presence anymore when I pray. And you're just sobbing, you want a pity party. But that's a lie. He's always there. It's a legal reality. Praise God. Yeah. Let's open Matthew chapter. Oh, this, is, this, this one is so interesting. Let's open Matthew chapter 8 from verse 23 to 27. We're almost done. Um, someone open John chapter 10 for me. John chapter 10 from verse 11 to 21. Matthew chapter 8, 23 to 27. Somebody for me. Matthew 23 to 27. Mm-hmm. Now, when he got into a boat, his disciples followed him, and suddenly a great tempest arose on the sea. So the boat was covered with the waves, but mm-hmm. he was asleep. Then his disciples came to him and awoke him, saying, Lord, save us, we are perishing. Mm. But he said to them, Why are you fearful, O you of little faith? Then he arose and rebuked the winds and the sea, and there was great calm. So the men marveled, saying, Who can this be, that even the winds and the sea obey him? Come on now. Can you see reality? That everybody is scared of death. But somebody's son, right? Someone is on the boat sleeping. He's not trying to fake it. Like he's not, he's not trying to um and he's not trying to like fake, he's not trying to do too much. You know, he's not trying to do too much. He just genuinely he's sleeping. I'm tired and I want to sleep. You know, like I, I've I've seen I've seen scenarios where um let me tell you this funny. I don't know why it happens. You know, when, when I tell people, oh, you know what? I was talking to God last night, like I say it so genuinely, I say it so casually, because that's my reality. Like genuinely, I was talking to God last night, you know, and he was saying this and he said that. Hmm. You know, I'm, I'm thinking whether I, I should still do this. 
And the person is like, do you know, the person is like, why are you, like, what's this? But it's my reality. The, my reality is that I, I can speak to God now. Aaron could not do that. Hey, Aaron had to wait once a year. Aaron had to go in scared. Like, do you know how, what it means that you're always scared coming into the presence of, are you a, you, you, you behave like an abused dog. Have you ever seen an abused dog? Abuse, okay. You know you know those abused dogs? They are flogged the life out of the dog. If you don't do it like this, chat. Talk just like this. That is how men were. But now, literally, we have the Shekinah of God in us. Literally, we just rasom patakapelaka. Now I'm really feeling it already. Lekom rashande and glory just it just rises up. It just rises up. It just you don't even have to pray. Sometimes you, you just feel the glory on you. You just you just feel the anointing, the, the power of God everywhere. It's on the believer. It's not even a feeling, self. It's a knowing that the, that the believer has the glory of God in you, in them. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Now, this is where we're going to end. Give or take. Ephesians. Let's open to Ephesians. Wonderful scripture. Because Paul does something that we, we want to see. Paul does an exegesis on the, like, the revelation of Christ. Now, Ephesians chapter 1. Thank God none of you have missed this. I, I wish you did not miss this. Ephesians 1 from verse 15. Now, Paul is talking to the Ephesian church. And Paul says, Therefore I also, after I have heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all the saints, do not cease to give thanks for you, making mention of you in my prayer. Now, look at the prayer. This is very important. He says, That the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give to you the spirit of wisdom and what? And revelation in the knowledge of him. Meaning that, there is information, there is knowledge. But now there has to be, there has to be revelation from that knowledge. Which a lot of people do not have. They know that Jesus Christ died. They know that he was beaten. They know he was buried and they know he resurrected. But there is a revelation from that that the believer needs for the believer to change, for works to be bettered. And this is what Paul is praying for the Ephesian church. Saying, I have a head of your love for the saints and for the things of God, but this is what I pray for you. Now, he doesn't end there. He says, that the eyes of your understanding being enlightened, that you may know what is the hope of his calling one, what are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints. Meaning, what does it mean to us what he has done? What do we have? What is now ours? Because of what he has done. We need to know that. Going further, he says, and what is the exceeding greatness of his power towards us who believe, according to the working, according to the working of his mighty power, which he worked in Christ, when he raised him from the dead, and standing above, now he's not trying to explain it. No. He says, which he walks in Christ, when he raised him from the dead, and seated him at the right hand in the heavenly places, far above principalities and power and dominion, and every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in that which is to come. Now, he's telling you what has happened to Christ. Right? Christ has ascended, he's seated in heavenly places, at the right hand of God, above principalities and power. We know that this is the knowledge part. But now, this is revelation part. This is the Revelation every believer should have. He starts to explain. He now says, And he put all things under his feet and gave him to be head over all things to what? To the church. Which is what? The fullness of him who fills all in all. Now, oh, glory to God. See, scripture here is saying that we are his body and he's the church and everything has been put under his feet. Everything has been put under his feet and we are his body. He is the head. We are his body. Everything has been put under his feet. Everything has been put under our what? 
he wasn't talking only about Christ. He was talking about you. Oh my God, this will change your life. I think, I, you know, I believe that when people are spoon-fed, they don't really understand it. But when you read it, when you, are, when you have a problem and you're the one that is studying and you see it, you will just leave your Bible and be jumping first. You will jump. When you jump, ah, all things are under my feet. All things are under my feet. All things are under my feet. You come back and you speak in tongues for 30 minutes. You come back and say, hey, when you understand that, it will never leave you. But now I'm telling you, like, oh, all things are under your feet. You're like, hmm, okay. <laughs> it doesn't end here. Chapter 2. See, the Bible was not written in chapters and verses. So this was a continuation. So he says, and you he made alive. Kai, the new man is not dead. The new man is alive. I told you one of the realities of the old man was death. The reality of the new man now is life. We are alive in Christ Jesus. Let me tell you how it happened. He says, you, he, you, and you who he made alive, who were dead in trespasses and sins, in which you once walked according to the cause of what this world, according to the prince of the power of the air and the spirit who works in the source of disobedience, among whom we also all once conducted ourselves in the lust of the flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and we are by nature children of wrath. We have delivered from that, just as what us now he says, but God, who is rich in mercy. I, you know, there was a time I read it, I was like, hmm, God is not rich in dollars, God is rich in mercy. God is rich in, and he showered it on me, you know, he showered it on me, he showered it on me like his bride. You know, when you have, when you see, when you see a groom, had, during the wedding, he just shouted, he's going to be dancing. He showered on me. He showered his mercy on me. Glory to God. Yeah. I've seen his mercy. See, he goes further. He says, because of his great love, which he loved us, even when we were dead in trespasses, made us alive. This is, this is, you should underline that. He says, made us alive together with what? We are made alive together with Christ. Meaning what happened to Christ happened to us. A man will look at the story that happened in, in the... um. That, will have, that happened to Christ. Then he would look at him like, hmm, you know, a man died. Or our Savior died. You know, Jesus died. And he not only died, he was buried and he resurrected. Glory to God. He ascended. Everybody shouts, oh, glory to God. Because that is glorious. For a man to die, for a man to, um, for a man to uh, um, be sacrificed for sin. Awesome. You know, wonderful. But then Revelation tells us that he died, we died. He was buried, we were buried. And he, he resurrected, we resurrected. Look at that. Let's finish it, please. I don't know how you can read Ephesians and just still be standing in one spot. It's, it's not possible sometimes, you know. He says, he made us alive together with Christ. Now, he says, by grace you have received, in brackets, and raised us up together and made us sit in heavenly places with Christ. Glory to God. Meaning that our union with Christ has not ended just because he, he, he rose up. Anything now that has been given to Christ and anything now that is Christ's own is our own. Meaning, the same power that Jesus has not had. I'm not talking about the past tense Jesus. I'm talking about the present tense Jesus. The Jesus that was seen in Revelation with fire in his eyes. The Alpha and the Omega. The God you know. The same power he has is the same power you have because you have been made one with him. You have been made one with him, one spirit. Let me explain this in, in the terms of marriage. In terms of marriage, scripture says we are made one flesh. But when it comes to Christ, we are made one spirit. Now, in terms of, because I told you that marriage is a typology of the union between Christ and the church. So, there should be no difference. I mean, I know a lot of, because of, you know, the flesh and because of Insta blog, you think, oh, a woman is meant to be guiding her resources as a man is meant to be guiding his resources. But everything a man is, the same thing a woman is if they are married. That we can, we should be able to say, oh, this man is worth a hundred million dollars. And we should also be, say, we should be able to say a woman, the wife is worth a hundred million dollars. Because why? They are married. Are you, am I correct? Am I, am I speaking? Because why? They are married. They are one flesh. How much more us that are one spirit with Christ? That is why when I told you, remember the story I, I said, I felt a very strange presence 
And I immediately I wanted to pray. The Lord says, Are we not married? And I went back to bed. I said, They've not born that spirit where I'm not going to pray because we are married. Oh Jesus, we are married. Oh lovely Father, we are married. Thank you, Daddy. We are one spirit with Christ. That is how to accept. Thank you, Daddy, because we are married. We are one. That's how it happens. That's how you put to bay demons. We are married. You're, you're my junior. I'm not meant to have discussion. You know, when I see preachers have discussions with demons, it's disgusting. Like, we are not meant to have discussions with them. We are meant to enter a room and they check out. Are you listening to me? They check out. I think I have, I now have a quote. Somebody, somebody was saying, I have a quote. I'm like, what's going on? I said, I said um, in a room full of demons, the most dangerous person is you. I've heard it like 20 times. Like, ah, you're copying me. <laughs> But that, but that came from a place of prayer where I looked at scripture and I saw what Christ has done. And I stayed with the word and I prayed and I said, they've not born any demon that will hear my voice and not obey me. Because I'm one with Christ. This is not just for demons. This is for principalities and powers. Me, angels, and any other being. Because the name of God, the name of Jesus that has been given to you is your possession, your inheritance. You don't even need to say in the name of just go out. You need to show up. You just show up. And everything that does not align with the name of Christ gives way. This is who you become. Is, is, is they fire your bones? Are you, are you feeling what I'm saying? I'm feeling it. Let's continue. This is Ephesians. I don't know. Are you still living? <laughs> this is Ephesians. Now, it says, For by grace you have been saved through faith. It doesn't end there. And that not of yourself. It is the gift of God. Not of works, least any of you should boast. For we are his what? Workmanship. Created in Christ Jesus for what? For good works. Which God prepared beforehand that we should work in them. Let me, let me just give a detail. Let me tell you. Works are a result of your position in Christ. Are you listening to me? Works are a position of your position in Christ. It's a, it's a result of your position in Christ. The reason why you behave the way you behave is because of the position you are in Christ. The reason why you do not want to watch pornography anymore is because... There is a place you are in. There is a position you are in. You have to behave like that position. It's the same thing with holiness. Holiness. A lot of people say, do this and be holy. That's not what God says. God says, I have made you holy. Now do this. There's a difference. You, we, we as believers, we walk out of, we, the things we do are out of um, approval. We have been approved by God. That is why we do. We are not doing to get God's approval. We are doing because we have been already approved by God. We are not doing to please God. We are doing because we have pleased him. And by doing, we are still pleasing him. I don't know. This thing, this thing like freed me. It freed me in the university. Because at a point in time, you see, and it will free a lot of guys. Because at a point in time, a lot of men have never heard their parents say, I'm proud of you. So you see a lot of people working for the appreciation of their parents. But this is not the same with God. God will tell you that I'm proud of you. I am happy with you. You are my son, even before the work. He tells you, I'm proud of you, even before the work. I'm glad to stand by you, even before you've done. So doing does not change his position about you. Doing only adds to the joy. By grace have you been saved, not of works that anyone should boast. Nobody can boast. Nobody can say, God is proud of me because of my works. Your works are like a filthy rag before him. Your righteousness is like that. A filthy rag before him. Except by him, can you gain true righteousness? I'm not even talking. Today's this is not about righteousness. But let's go further, please. I know I'm saying, I'm saying we're going to end. Let's, before we go further, let us read um, 
Romans chapter 6. Let's go to Romans chapter 6 from verse 5 to 7. Romans chapter 6 from verse 5 to 7. Somebody, please, just be fast for me, please. Just be fast. I don't want people to leave. I want to be fast. Okay. Certainly, we also shall be in the likeness of his resurrection. Mm-hmm. Knowing this, that our old man was crucified with him, that the body of sin might be done away with, mm-hmm. that we should no longer be slaves of sin. Mm-hmm. For he who has died has been freed from sin. Mm-hmm. Now, if we die with Christ, we believe that we shall also live with him. Mm-hmm. Knowing that Christ, has, having been raised from the dead, dies no more. Mm-hmm. Death no longer has dominion over him. See, this is very simple logic. I, I, I call this the implications of salvation. Meaning that when it's just simply when I see what has happened to Christ, I know what has happened to me and what will happen to me. That if anything can affect Christ, then it can affect me. That's my reality. Christ shows me my possibility. Christ, what do I say? Shows me my possibility. I was in a crusade one day and the man of God, because I was, the Lord told me, make I want to go and serve under this man of God. I was ready to go and carry speaker, go and do everything, you know. But the man of God, on reaching the sea, God uses men to open some realities, you know, some things in your spirit. And I went there, I went to the man of God. We were in Nasrawa Obi. There's a place in Nasrawa called Obi. And rain wanted to down start falling during the crusade. It's an open air crusade. It's also going to be bad. A lot has been spent. And the man of God just prayed. And rain did not fall there for the four days or three days that we are there. The Khan chairman himself came to say, you people, it is because of you people that rain is not falling. And we are laughing. Immediately, I'm not, I am not lying under God. Immediately, we left Dubai Obi. Ring fell on our back. Ah, God, I've seen something. See, there is a reality that is greater than that, that is that that people lie to you. You know, when you go out, you see people that are sick. Is a, is a, is a, that reality is not yours. I know it's, it's rampant, but it's not a reality. Death has no dominion over Jesus. It has no dominion over me. My, you need to get something. The only way Adam could die physically is when he died spiritually. But you need to understand. Now we have been made alive. I know this body has been condemned to death, but now we now have a new body that can show the full potential of our spirit man. We are alive in Christ. There is a, there's an implication. We will never taste death. Oh, we will never taste death. Death is not, um, death is not just... You sleep and you decay. Death is into your, your heart. It's not just that. That is not death. That is not the death God is talking about. We, ah, we will be able to walk through walls. Jesus did it. That is the new man. That is the reality. I don't know how you don't see this and you don't, you don't like, you know, someone is just, someone just like, why are you smiling when you're alone? I'm not going to die. <laughs> I will never taste it. <laughs> see, God increased my prayer time per day. And I, I was thinking about how to go around it. Like, how am I going to go around it? Like, it's too much and everything. How am I going to break it? I didn't know that I was just, people were shouting my name. And I was on the road just walking. And he was like, why are you thinking? I just said, oh, don't worry, sorry. Don't. He was like, is everything okay at home? I was like, no, don't pray. <laughs> I said, no, don't worry. I was thinking about how am I going to pray in the gym. That's what I was thinking about. That's what was in my head. <laughs> See, eh? I'm just telling you what I'm just trying, what I was trying to say. There's a reality that you just being, that people don't understand it. Like, why do you just stand and you just say, thank you, Jesus? Why do you just stand and you're so happy, you're so joyful, always? You know? Because sad- sadness is not a reality of who you are. I saw somebody saying that I listen to sad music. Sad music is what I listen to. You know, it gives me a spectrum that nothing else can give. Like, it opens me. I'm like, you have a problem you don't know of. <laughs> you have a problem. It's not your reality. We have a reality in Christ where Hebrews talks about um, Zion, right? Where there is no money. Our reality is joy. Our reality is joy. 
You know, people say, oh, G and Jesus wept. G Jesus wept was just a, a, a physical something, you know? Because think of it. He was still going to bring this man back to life. It's just a physical, my guy died. He, it was not a, he was not crying as per pity me. You, I don't think people are saying, oh, you're a man, you can cry. What, what do you mean by that? Do you want me to pity me? <laughs> what do you mean by that? Jesus cried also, you know, you can cry. Like, my dear, just calm down. It's not that harsh. It's not that bad. Let's go. 2 verse 15. Ephesians. Oh, let's, let's, let's start from 2 verse 14. This is the reality of the man in Christ. We're going to be ending. For he himself is our peace. For he himself is our peace. Peace is not a thing. Peace is not a feeling. Peace is a person. For he himself is our peace. Who has made both one and has broken down the middle wall of what? Separation. And that scripture puts it somewhere, somehow. It has having abolished in his flesh the enmity. That is the law of the commandment contained in ordinances. So as to create in himself one new man from the two, from the two Thus, making peace. Oh my God, that's, that statement might, might be a little bit complicated. He's trying to tell you what Jesus did. God and man had issues. God and man were an enemy. What did Jesus do? Jesus is still God because God is the bigger man. Coming to make peace. What did he do? He made the two into one. So Emeka standing here is a representation of the peace that had been broken between God and man. Meaning that God is in man and Emeka is in God. He is the vine and I am the branches. Or I am the branch. Do you understand that? That is how the peace was broken. That out of two, a new man has been created. Now, it now says, and that he might reconcile them both to God in one body through Christ, thereby putting to death the enmity. And he, he came and he preached peace to you who we are far off and to those who are near. For through him, we both have access to one spirit, to the Father. These are big words. We have access to the Father. I was in school one day. So let me tell you how I started praying in tongues. The first time I prayed in tongues for some time, I think I was in a, if I even mentioned the whole, you know, I went to Covenant University, so there was this whole, I, I was alone. I, I prayed in tongues, and I prayed, as I prayed in tongues, I felt a physical presence in my room, and like goosebumps just covered me, and I ran out of the room. That was the first time I was feeling such a thing. I asked my friend, I said, is this normal? He said, yes, I mean, it's, it's the Holy Spirit, that's what he told me. And that was the best way he explained to me, it was the Holy Spirit, and he said he was correct. So, I learned how to stay in that presence, like just stay, like literally, I learned how to stay and pray in those kind of cooked atmosphere. It was scary at first, but then it came normal. <laughs> but after some time, I didn't feel it again. And in my head, I was like, the Holy Spirit has left me. Like all of you have once said. I'm not going to have said that before. People have said the Holy Spirit has left me. Hey, that's a lie. If the Holy Spirit leaves you, eh? <laughs> I said the Holy Spirit has left me. And I remember going to my also ignorant friend. He doesn't know a lot then. And I said, Arume, the Holy Spirit has left me. Like, I don't know what to do, man of God. And I told him, you know why I told him that? Because I, I started feeling jealous. I felt jealous because the night, I think that night, as I heard noise, we have what we call um, floor fellowships. So in his own floor fellowship that he was leading, in his own, on his own um, block, he had laid hands on somebody and the person's hand has come, like the person's hand stretched forth, like longer than normal, and went back. Everybody in the block was like crazy about it, you know. So I went to him. I was like, "How would this be happening, Lord?" And I know I'm not feeling you at least. <laughs> so I went to him and I said, "Arume, Arume, I'm not feeling anything." Arume said, "Ah, Emeka, that is how it happens sometimes. He goes, he comes. You don't." Have... <laughs> hey, I was like Jesus. <laughs> he goes, he comes. You know, sometimes you mess up. Sometimes I say, "God, I don't know." Until I was then explained to that this is not a feeling. 
That was God just training me that his presence is not just a feeling, but a reality. Like, it's a legal reality. I don't have to feel my eyes for, for me to know my eyes are there. You know that now? You don't have to feel yourself breathing for you to breathe. You know, it, it has even, it's not your, it's not your, it's not your feeling. You're like, am I breathing here? <laughs> you know? So you don't have to feel it for you to know it's there. It's there. Let's finish up. I've said this, let's finish up like, like what? Ew, my Jesus. <laughs> See, how they don't have video. <laughs> he says, now therefore no longer strangers, glory to God. We are no longer foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of what? Having been built on the foundations of the apostles and prophets, Jesus Christ himself being the cornerstone, in whom the whole building being fitted together grows into a holy temple in the Lord, in whom you are also built together for a dwelling place of God in the spirit. Meaning, we are now the temple of God. More than what Adam had. God was not trying to take us to the position Adam had. God was taking us to a place better than Adam. The new man in Christ is greater than the first Adam. I know he was in Eden, but you are better than him. The God he spoke to that he could work with. Now the God is in, inside of you. You just walk and you say, hey, daddy, how, you, how are you doing? Have you asked God, how are you doing today? And you just laugh because you know he's doing well. And I'm like, ah, what is bothering me today? What is going on in the world? And he just begins to tell you. I mean, it happens to me. The Lord tells me about things going on in nature. When I check the internet, I'm correct. Is your reality. Say it's my reality. I'm that man. God speaks to me. I'm no longer in enmity with God. I have been forgiving. I have been forgiven. I have dominion over creation. Over this creation. I have dominion over the principalities and powers. That's my life. Demons. They go when I say go. They move when I say move. Are you listening to me? You get to a point. In your schools, you can handle these demonic cases now. Ah, base, they have a lot of... You know, I'm, I'm live. But... <laughs> but you know the school now. That school has a lot of... But you can handle it. Handle it. Nine minutes to two. Nine minutes to two. Handle those cases. Because now, see, there's, there's something called, it's not pride, it's confidence. Let me tell you, if you cannot say who you are in Christ Jesus, you will not see it. If you cannot enter the room and say, like Jesus, I have been anointed, you will not see the product of your anointing. You will not see your reality. If you cannot confidently say, this is my reality, I cast out demons. Or when people are saying, hey, um, Brenda, please come and cast out this demon. You're saying, oh my, would you leave me? I'm shy, I'm blushing. If you keep on saying that, you will never see it. See, what I'm teaching you today is not just going to affect your spiritual lives, but also your, your life in general. That it will give you confidence to, to, to walk. That you know you have a father that is proud of you. You know you're forgiven. You know you're spotless. You walk with your chest up and your face forward. It gives you confidence to enter any room knowing you have a father that is richer, that is backing you. This is not just for here. Are you getting me? This is not just for casting out demons. There's a confidence this breeds in you that you can attack the world. You can go after the world. You get. And this is real confidence. This is not fake it till you make it. It's not dressed like it and you feel like it. It's not that. Literally, you can, you, they can put rags on you and you say, I'm meant to be here. Because I know who's in me. Have you, ever, have you ever heard those kind of things that, oh, this Christian thing, you're doing it too much. They're laughing at you. They, they're probably laughing at you. You too, you start laughing at them. You're going to hell. <laughs> You know, you start laughing to at them because, like, you have a confidence of where we are going to. Praise God. Let's just speak in tongues. Heavenly Father, we thank you. Thank you, Daddy, because we are now family. Thank you because we are now family. Thank you because of who we are in you, Jesus. Thank you, Daddy. Say thank you, Jesus. Thank you because we are now family. 
Thank you because we are life in you. Thank you because we are not enemies. Thank you because you love us. Thank you, Lord. Father, we thank you. Father, we thank you. Thank you for who we are in you, Jesus. Thank you for who we are in you, Jesus. So day, Katenia Dambo. Thank you for who we are in you, Jesus. Thank you because our eyes can see, our ears hear you. Thank you because our hands they heal the sick. Thank you because there is glory on our inside. Thank you, Daddy. Andre Tondra Zaisha Danamamba Bolia. Oh, Brakapataila Saila. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Hey, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. In the mighty name of Jesus, we have prayed. Daddy, we thank you. Thank you because for the work I had, you have endured us and you have helped us with knowledge. We are ready. Thank you, Lord. Thank you because you are closer to, to us than our skin. Oosh. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for forgiving us. Thank you because we are forgiven. We move without, without confidence. We are not guilty. We stand before you in love, in reverence of everything that you are. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you for making us holy. In the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Amen.